0: Viewing Podcast. I'm your veteran, Donnie.
1: I'm your neophyte, Frank.
0: And today we have our very special guest who has been here a couple times before, our lovely pal, Gwendolyn. Hey. Uh So today we're going to be taking a look at Season 2, Episode 20, How Soon Is Now? Um, however, today we're going to take a quick little little uh, change of pace because we have slightly belated Christmas gifts that we have to give each other.
1: Yeah, it feels like forever since we've done this.
0: I know. Well, we had, like, the week before Christmas is a little hectic for us. So, like, yeah, no, it's been a while, I feel like. And This is,
1: like, the first time I've actually been here in the daylight and since we went to go see Bohemian Rhapsody.
0: Oof, yeah, no, it's true. is like, first time we're recording with sunlight in many months. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. All months. Since... Yeah cuz like you got the new job and we started switching to recording at 9 so even during the summer.
0: Yeah. It was
1: like dark out.
0: Yeah. No, it's true. Anyway, yep. here we are.
2: Yeah. So open your okay. gifts.
0: Okay, okay, okay. I'm going to open them. Up... No, Quinn, open up yours first cuz you're the guest. <laughs>
2: okay. This is fr- from from Franklin to me and I am the the bad the bad friend here who didn't know we were on <laughs> <laughs> On the level of, like, gift exchanges or something, I don't know. I'm a fool, and I was given a gift, and it is a movie that I haven't heard of, and that's probably just because I live under a rock. Um, what's the full title, Frank? Is As-
1: it... Assassination Nation.
2: Assassination Nation. Oh, wait, we talked about this, yeah. yes, right? Yes, we did. Okay. Okay. So, Frank, do do us a favor and do a brief synopsis of it so people can understand why this is a meaningful gift
1: um, <laughs> it Did is you? dang it <laughs> um, <laughs>
2: well,
1: no um, sorry <laughs> um, it's a movie about four young women living in Salem Massachusetts and um, at, at a certain point or like you know, over the course of the film the half of the talent is doxed
2: right and okay it all, yes it is this movie
1: it all leads back to these four women and they have to survive the night against like all odds and it it's just I saw it for teen girl talk I loved it I thought you would really like it Um, yeah once again I do have to warn you like it does show up it's much like an episode of I hope I can make it through at the beginning it shows all the trigger warnings and there's a lot of them <laughs> Good. But the one good thing is most of the really awful uh, white men who are just awful in this movie get theirs. So, <laughs> which I'm always all about, people getting theirs.
0: <laughs> I'm excited to see it because my celebrity yeah, girlfriend, Hari Neff, is in it.
2: Okay. Oh, shit. Okay, cool.
1: Th- that's how you pronounce her name? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought so. Cause, I know, because I, I, that's why I went on uh, nuts Because I, I went to her Wikipedia page And I'm like, oh dang, it's not a pronunciation thing
0: <laughs> You know, now that I think about it, I don't know It's one of those names that I've never heard out loud I just follow her on social media So I haven't really, like, watched her in an interview or anything
1: Plus she, um, is now a uh, model for Gucci yes.
0: yes We have what the perfume that she advertised <laughs> <laughs> Um, shall I go next? I'll go next. Oh, she went
1: to Columbia University. Right,
0: go. Yeah. Right. Oh, you want her wiki? Yep. Yeah, no, she's great. I love, I love looking at her social media all the time. I also just find her to be beautiful. And sometimes she wears like Kingdom Hearts shirts. So <laughs> she's still grounded. Um Okay, I'm gonna open this. We'll try and keep this away from the mic so that it's not obnoxious. All right. Oh, yes! <laughs> oh thank God! I really wanted a copy of this. I got a copy of Sorry to Bother You, which I am so happy about because I love this movie. It is legitimately such a joy. It was such a joy to watch. Um, so I'm really happy I have a copy of this. Thank you, Frank. Seriously.
1: No problems. I, when um, early, like earlier this year, when you're like, I saw this movie and I really loved it, and I'm like, noted for later. <laughs> it was like a telltale game. It's like Frank will remember that. <laughs>
0: Um, have you seen this yet, Frank? No, not yet. Oh, we should see it together. I really love it. It's legitimately like one of my favorite movies I saw this year. And it's just so interesting looking. Like aesthetically, it's such a cool movie too. It's just all around great.
1: I love that like the one female character's like earrings in it.
0: Oh yeah. The murder, murder,
1: kill, kill, kill.
0: Oh, they're so good. She has other ones too in it. Oh, okay. So Frank's opening up his card. Yeah, he was going, okay. You should probably read the card okay. For our audience
1: <laughs> uh, Dear Frank, thank you for taking on This is 2018 at the top Dear Frank, thank you for taking on this wacky podcast endeavor With me, this gift is a bit of an investment Because it's too spoilery for you to even read the book of But I hope you like the investment To our show
3: Okay I
2: hope
3: you're right Oh my god Frank. <laughs> <laughs> <What? sighs> <laughs>
1: Okay ladies and gentlemen I've been given a um, Degrassi The Next Generation Extra credit book With Spinner on the front Just Looking like he Oh my god It's a comic (laughs) Oh oh my god Spinner's so kawaii
0: (laughs) You can't, like, look into them too much because they're incredibly spoilery. They're, like, still a season or two <laughs> ahead of where we're at. Well, but I, I,
1: I read one name off. Is this Craig?
0: No, that's no, Marco. Marco. Oh, Marco gets real God. gay looking. It's great.
1: He gets a soul patch.
0: Uh, he's, oh, he has it well, now. He He always has it. Always um, has it. So...
1: Yeah, they're mentioning people who I don't know.
0: Yep, yep. Like I said, don't read the back too much. Like I said, it's an investment. I'll let you know.
1: <laughs> so wait, are you just going to hold on to my gift until?
0: No, you can hang on. I trust, I think you're mature enough that you can hang on to it for now, but I will let you know when you If you're wondering, it's just, it's just
2: more of the same. It's just for these books.
0: <laughs> Why do you have to spoil it? Also, you need to look at the first volume's name. Look at the back. Look at the name of it. It's bad, it's like actually bad. The first volume of Degrassi extra credit is called Turning Japanese. Which is horrendous in many levels. But um, it has Ellie on the cover, she looks great.
1: (laughs) And of course, uh, suddenly last, okay, so we have the Emma one, which the title is Suddenly Last Summer. And I'm not gonna read the rest of it, but it starts, Emma gets her groove back. So, that's gonna be a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, so enjoy. I don't know, as a veteran, they, they, for whatever reason, like, flew past me. Like, I had seen Degrassi books at bookstores when I was a kid, but they were, like, the ones that talked about how the episodes were written and stuff, which I actually read quite a bit of as a kid. Like, I would sit in Barnes & Noble and read those, because I found them actually very interesting. I didn't know about these, and I was farting around on line and i forget exactly like i think it was just like looking at ebay i was like degrassi stuff and i was like on ebay and i found a cup like one of them and i was like oh i need to look more into this apparently there were manga sodes so there were episodes that were like adapted from these which are also still based off of episodes that happen so i don't know if they're one-to-one interpretations yet i didn't flip through them but um there are manga which were then taken from those graphic novels. So I don't think we're ever going to find them. I think that they're just gone to, to the sands of time. Obviously, if somebody has some sort of way to get a hold of those manga please email us at ihopepod at com because, like, I desperately want to watch them. So desperately.
2: Okay. <laughs> so I remembered the gift I had been... Our Christmas time was, was, was a, a kind of an experience, um, and we, so we had our car broken into, and a lot of our Christmas presents were stolen. I cannot give the excuse that my Christmas present <laughs> for Franklin was, was stolen here, but but I had, over that time, forgotten about gift, but one of the gift ideas I did have was a book that I had read a while ago, and <clears throat> just knowing oh, the recommendations that you had been giving on the show, I think this is something you might la- um, like. So the... <clears throat> So this is my copy that I'm going to just give to you. So it's called Fierce Femmes and Notorious Liars, a Dangerous Trans Girls Confabulous Memoir um, by Kai Cheng uh, Tom. Um, So it's, it's, here you go, Merry Christmas. (laughs) It's, it's like a kind of magical, realist um, memoir of this, this trans girl as she escapes her, her bad living situation and tries to make it on her own. And she falls into, finds, finds found family and a bunch of other, um, you know, drag queens and other trans women in in this magical real uh, city that she finds herself in, in her adventures and trials.
1: I mean, I'm already looking at, like, <clears throat> whose mission is to scour the streets of vo- the street of violent
2: men and avenge murder trans women everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that happens. Yeah, that's oh, good. I'm into this. Um, maybe along the same lines of the, the kind of like vibe you're getting from the, the movie you gifted me, Assassination Nation, there's a lot of, a lot, of a lot of guys getting what's, what's due to them in that book, too. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Enjoy. Make, making it work. We gave you lots of reading material.
1: <laughs> for which I can't touch for a while.
0: No, no, I will let you know when you can touch those. We will definitely take a look at them. I'll figure out, once again, if they're one-for-ones, we could read them in, like, in tandem with the episodes. If not, maybe we can save them for in-between seasons.
1: The thing is about Assassination Nation is, and this isn't too much of a spoiler, like, at one point, the, like, this is something I want to mention on the last week's episode, Fight for Your Right,
3: Mm -hmm.
1: where, like, I felt like the principal did a much better job of dealing with, like, a free speech issue than like, um, then Radish did with Emma, where he, um, they find a sketchbook of the main character's drawings, and they're all just, like, super graphic, like, you know, depictions of women, and he's like, and, like, she goes on this very thoughtful speech, like, she's very intelligent, she goes on this thoughtful speech about how, like, you see, like, something pornographic, and, like, you know... I just see a, um, I see the woman behind that picture where she's trying to like, like, you know, you don't, you see the one selfie, but you don't see the thousand others where a woman is like trying to figure out her best angle and picking herself apart. And then like, even when she posts it, like there's still people picking her apart. And like, I'm trying to just get the essence of these women. And the, um, the principal, like she goes on this like very eloquent speech. And then the principal just kind of sighs, he's like, you're very intelligent, but this is high school, and there are certain, like, you know, you gotta take it a bit easy. Mm. <laughs> and then she's, and she's like, okay, okay, cool, cool. Like, there's a certain level of respect between the two of them that I yeah. really thought, like, I was like, oh yeah, no, I'm into this principal, he seems nice. So, so yeah, so if Radish did, did that, like, I think it would have been a lot better, but he had to be a nerd.
0: Yeah, So no, that's true.
1: Should I read our email?
0: Yeah, so we have a very informative listener email. Um, as always, if you have any comments that you would like to send our way, feel free to send them to us at gmail.com. This one is a little more relevant to some of our earlier episodes, but it does give us a little bit more insight into Armstrong. So, Frank, would you like to read it?
1: Sure. Um, so I just finished listening to Season 1 of the Pod, and Donnie is so angry about the fact that Mr. Armstrong teaches both math and PE. I'm, he- I'm here to tell you this is a real thing. I am a substitute teacher and I have served for two different middle school teachers who teach another class and PE. One teacher taught computers in one hour of PE so that'd be a snake. Um, the other teacher taught social studies in two hours of PE. These were decently sized schools, 200 to 500 students per grade. It seems like Degrassi is a small school so it doesn't seem at all unlikely to me that a teacher would teach both. In my experience, they have done it when they don't need a full-time teacher for the sub- subject, so it is easier to hire someone to teach both rather than two par- part-time teachers. I think usually the teachers went to school for the core subject, social studies, math, etc., and then added on the PE teaching license later. I taught one year of middle school, and I had a co-worker who taught creative writing and English intervention, so the next year they asked her if she could teach gym class instead of creative writing, should she spend her summer getting her PE teaching license. I apologize if somebody else has commented on this. I know I'm behind in the pod, but I'm working on getting caught up. Thanks.
0: And thank you so much uh, for sending us this email. Something that may be shocking to people who are outside the U.S., may not be shocking, is that... um, So the person who emailed us is from Kansas, I believe. Um, Education standards are drastically different state to state. So there isn't one consistent, like rule book on how certain certifications should operate so when i speak to teaching standards and this is something i need to just work on as we continue the podcast like i'm gonna come at it from the perspective of being from jersey like i work right now in new york city school districts but i don't actually teach in them i'm running after school programming so it's an entirely different beast um So being aware that academic standards are going to be different and the expectations of what teaching certification look like are going to be different in different locations is really good to know. So hearing that (laughs) the idea of Armstrong kind of balancing between the math aspects and the phys ed aspects of of his responsibilities makes a little more sense if you could just get a cert for it. Meanwhile, in New Jersey schools, it would be much more difficult to actually get the certification to do physical education at a uh, middle school, high school level. So it's really informative, and I really appreciate getting that email. So thank you very much for sending that our way. And to other people, please do not hesitate to email us, even though I come off like a very passionate and sometimes <laughs> angry individual. I promise that I am always up for being corrected.
1: Yeah, let us know when we say, like, the wrong thing.
0: Or, or just if you want to expand um, with your own perspective. That is always also yeah. very much
1: appreciated. I'm used to telling people to tell if we said the wrong thing, because we say that a lot on uh, Teen Girl Talk. Oof. My sister once said of somebody, like, don't they know I'm just recklessly mean sometimes? <laughs> <laughs> so.
0: Oh, Susie. Um, so, let's talk about Degrassi, The Next Generation, Season 2, Episode 20, How Soon Is Now. Uh, yes, yes, are we ready, are we ready?
3: Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um, so a quick content warning beforehand, we're going to be talking about sexual assault, specifically sexual assault that Paige experienced during earlier in the season in the episodes entitled Shout. Um, it's also going to be specifically talking about the effects of it, so things relating to, like, moving on from a traumatic experience like that, um, potentially having what many people classify as, like, PTSD-related flashbacks, um, so keep that in mind, uh, that is going to be dominating the A-plot, um... So we will let you know in the comments below exactly what minutes to look out for when we're talking about that content, um, and we're going to start with our B-plot for our discussion. But before we get into all of that detail, Gwendolyn, would you like to introduce to us exactly what our A-plot and B-plot are?
2: Yes, yes, of course. So as Donnie was mentioning, the A-plot will focus on Paige um, and her... So back back in episode episode shot one and two, um, Paige was sexually assaulted. She was raped by a someone from another school, um, sports soccer player called Dean, and we haven't heard much about that since. But this episode comes back, and he is in the basketball championship. His school is now coming to to Degrassi, and. She is now faced with confronting her her rapist, um, having to see him again, which she hasn't seen him in a while. So that 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 is the a plot, and the b plot is um, Marco and and Ellie. Their relationship is, um, as we know, an established um, cover. Uh, Ellie is bearding for him, and it, this just goes about their. Stripes as a as a fake couple as fake fake dating each other.
0: Yeah. So shall we go on with our B plot first? Okay. Let's go. So we're opening up the episode with Marco and Ellie's plot um, in a way that is very normal for lack of better terms for a school setting. Uh, they are pitching a unisex perfume. It's called Duet um, to Snake. And trying to explain what they want to do in terms of the uh, way that they want to present the product, how it looks, things like that. Very normal, like, business-type class to have in your in your school district. Um, and Snake approves, saying that now they can work on the commercial aspect. Um, so they're introducing it. It's formatted as follows. It looks like Marco is gonna kind of do the bulk of the acting and all that type of stuff, but Ellie is going to have the directorial, like, control of everything. Um, And as they're talking about this, they're talking about it in the middle of the computer lab and Marco is really laying on, like, the relationship aspect of them, like holding Ellie's hand and things like that And Craig, at one point, kind of leans over toward them and says, your love brings tears to my eyes.
1: Then he turns away, and I'm pretty sure that's it for him for this episode.
0: Yeah, I think he just, like, kind of, (laughs) like, chirps in, and then he's like, okay, I'm good. Goodbye. I've done my thing. It's fine.
1: (laughs) This was in that bunch of episodes that I recorded for the finale.
0: Yeah, right. Like, it's like, yeah, this was in a haze. (laughs) I think I knew what was coming when it came to Craig, so I was like, it's fine if this is all I see of you right now. It's okay.
1: You know, I'm... Kind of wondering, like maybe we're not seeing. Okay, so we've established before Craig is like one of the better actors on the show. Yeah. Um, do you think he became more expensive as the show got on, and that's why he doesn't appear in that many episodes?
0: I don't know. I I do know with the actor that played Craig. Like, I I mean, as Pierce, one of our guests, revealed, like he was actively in music and was a musician that did shows. I know for a fact he has some stage experience in, I remember he did a play in New York City at one point, which is about, like, a polyamorous relationship and stuff. I really wanted to go see it, but I couldn't, I couldn't get myself to, uh, into the city in time. It was, like, when I was in college and I was working on other stuff. Um, so, like, I know that he did stuff outside of Degrassi. I don't know how much really but i do know he had some stage experience so i don't know if that was also happening as he was on degrassi i don't know how restrictive some of their schedules were because we do eventually get some actors and actresses who did leave the show for other opportunities um including the vampire diaries (laughs) but yeah i don't know i don't know if he got more expensive because he i feel like his talent is there and we'll talk more about him when we get to the finale, but he always seems to have the most mm-hmm. like baseline talent. I feel like of a lot of the kid actors.
1: Yeah. So, um, that's is that kind of it for
0: Yeah, like Marco like kisses <laughs> Ellie's hands exaggeratedly. It's, it's just like the
2: the the Ellie Marco beard roadway show here. It's they're putting on a they're putting on a show for everybody,
0: mm-hmm. and
2: it's as cringe cringeworthy as worthy, as you can imagine
0: yeah i mean it's rough because it's like both of these kids are incredibly like i find them likable they're two of my favorite characters mm-hmm. so watching them go through this process is very rough because it's like you can see that they love each other and you can see that they support each other but the way that they're doing this is obviously hurting <clears throat> it's hurting ellie and even though we can't quite tell if it's hurting marco explicitly at this point He's clearly putting on an act that is not quite who he is. Yeah. So it's it's rough to watch because these kids are kids that you want to root for. And I think I think many audience members watching Degrassi want to cheer for them. You want to cheer for the probably, I'm going to say probably gay kid because I think it was very clearly set up that he was going to be gay. And you want to cheer for, uh, you know, the cool punk girl. Like, you want them to succeed. So you're already watching and you're like, uh I don't want to watch you do this. I don't want to watch you exaggeratedly kiss each other's hands. This is a nightmare. Um, The next time we see them, um, the next time we see this whole plot, Ashley is walking over toward Ellie. um, And she's, like, looking at Ellie's vision. Um, And Ellie is talking about it and like beginning to introduce it her whole entire vision for this thing is she wants to do it kind of like how Marco wa- would want it which is like this extravagant bollywood aesthetic basically
2: for for the the perfume commercial project yeah yeah yeah
0: which makes sense reminds everyone exactly and it makes sense it's called duet so like you know why not have it be like a music inspired type of effort um and as Ashley and Ellie are kind of looking at this Marco kind of materializes with Oh my god, I forget exactly how he pronounces eggplant parmesan, but it's like
1: eggplant parmigiano.
0: Yeah, like it's like super exaggerated. It's like it's like a, when you're watching like Food Network and somebody who has like vague amounts of Italian goes on and starts like <laughs> explaining what the thing is. Like sh- like he just is doing that um and he's just like, "Oh, like it you both can share it and everything." And then he, it's just like this super put-on thing. Um although I do wish I had some that sounded delicious when i was watching it um and um you know he just kind of gives it to her and says ashley can have it as well um and then just kind of walks away and ashley like kind of goes like could you two be more perfect for each other and this you know is supposed to kind of stab stab like you know get twist the knife yeah twist the knife a little further of like how these two are so clearly meant for each other and yet they you know ellie knows deep inside that this is not a romantic relationship like everyone thinks it is
2: just want to take a second so i haven't i haven't been on at least for an episode that ashley's been on in a while mm-hmm. and I, she went through her she leveled up boy yeah she <laughs> um, has i don't remember what she looked like last i think she was like i think the last episode i saw her with was where she chickened out of getting a belly piercing
0: oh god yeah yeah yeah. um
2: where she was like trying that that like punk goth aesthetic but yep. like still in the exploratory phase and this is she is full-on committed with the the short like raven colored hair mm-hmm. blue blue raven blue black raven hair color And yeah. it's it's and like where in some sort of like uh large black um like sleek faux fur collared coat. Oh my god, I'm obsessed top with that of the, coat.
0: I'm obsessed with that It was that a coat. good look. I it think was... it was in <clears throat> dressed in black, but like, I love that coat.
2: Yeah, it was a um, a very Nana look, I want to say.
0: Yes, 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 yes. For
2: those of you who know that reference.
0: Yeah, it's it's kind of cool. I kind of like that Ellie and... Because I could... I kind of... There's, there's very subtle things about Ashley's arc, which I feel like just because they were so subtle... We did not get to appreciate them at the level that I think we could have. Um, And this is why, you know, we will talk about it at the end of the season, etc., etc. But I feel like Ashley had this very subtle arc that was happening, and a lot of it had to do with how she dressed. And Mm -hmm. I think you're absolutely correct, Gwen. I think that she's, like, finally hitting her stride because i think for a little while she was kind of trying to copy ellie to a certain extent we saw that literally in that belly button piercing plot but also in just the way that she dressed it was like trying to integrate color in a way that maybe ellie would but still a little weird a little off it didn't quite work and now we see that clearly like ashley has figured it out and it's definitely like this black on black on black it's her own style yeah it's her
2: own style now which is pretty clear
0: like, it's, it's good. It's good. It, it's really cool. I like that you have two, like, alternative-looking girl characters in a show. I feel like that doesn't usually happen in general in teen drama. You usually get, like, one, like, one punk girl. One goth girl. Like, you only get one. You rarely get, like, a whole team unless the whole entire point is that they're all outcasts. So the fact that you get, like, two of them with two distinct styles and two distinct personalities that are friends and not competing against each other is, like, a really nice little little thing about this show that I think I really liked as a kid and I'm re-appreciating really as an adult.
1: It reminds me of a uh, like Brooklyn Nine Nine, where there's two Latinx women on that show, and they have completely different personalities.
0: Yeah, like that's, but that's how it should be, right? It should be that if you are talking about people who are, I won't say marginalized, because that begins to imply that like goth pe- goth people are marginalized. <laughs> but um, like, I think that also is just what it is. Like, if you want to write narratives and tell stories of people who are different the best way to do it is to have multiple characters who are different because then you get to expose different mindsets and then you get to add different interesting layers between the two characters and between other people that that they interact with. So it's, there's a lot of like very subtly good stuff happening with the Ashley and uh, Ellie dynamic. Um, And I'm glad that they're like still pals and they don't seem to have had a huge fallout yet.
1: Yeah um, And like their friendship also Does seem sincere between them It does Like yeah we've said before like Jimmy and Spinner are hitting, gonna hit their expiration day at some point <laughs> Like Paige is constantly trying to compete with everyone I don't know she seems Pretty friendly with Hazel Terry's just kind of a tool that's Passed between Paige and Ashley Sometimes
0: yeah, yeah. No, it's a very sincere friendship. It it came to Ashley at a point where she was incredibly low, but it doesn't go in that territory of it being the super gross codependent type of situation. Yeah. It's it's definitely just like, you know, Ashley needed somebody, Ellie was there, and Ellie wants to kind of raise her up as opposed to just keeping her in her place or letting herself be dependent on.
3: Yeah.
0: It's good. Um, But, like, that's where... You know this probably hurts ellie so much is because you know ashley just you know ashley wants to be supportive and ellie wants to be supported during this but she also has told marco she won't reveal it to anybody so it puts her in an impossible situation in many ways
3: yeah
0: um so the next time we see this plot ellie has set up everything to film the perfume commercial i uh, I don't really know how any of this is really Bollywood, per se, because it's like <laughs> there are magenta pink scarves kinda clung to like a fence. And Marco is wearing like a boa and like a like a gray not gray, like a brown like pattern type of jacket thing. He's wearing like
2: a Renaissance fair S jacket.
0: Yeah, yeah. Long,
2: tall, tall brown leather boots, lace up, um, fuzzy, fuzzy red brownish like burgundy fuzzy vest over yeah. this this brown coat and 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 a top hat
0: yeah it's just it's I mean, with
2: fluffy fluffy pink feather boa and it's just like wow um i know you're committing but maybe this is the wrong kind of commitment yeah yeah it honestly feel
1: to me it honestly feels like the writers are like okay we want this they went to like the prop guy and they're like okay we want this to be bollywood themed all right what do you got this bollywood theme? What the fuck is bollywood uh, I don't know Like it's a bunch Of bright colors I think it takes Place in India There is a guy Wearing like A kind of jacket That I've never Seen before
2: well, uh, This is This is what we get I got a
1: boa I got a top hat Fuck it I don't care enough I'm a Degrassi writer
0: There is also <laughs> There is also A part of me That's like you know This is kind of realistic I feel like for like A, a high schooler's wardrobe It's like oh, let's yeah. do Bollywood <laughs> And it's like Huh Well I got the boa Ooh like i feel like this is good as it's gonna get
2: <laughs> they got the i mean i think the colors were maybe okay like i mean kind of getting there as best yeah. as they could do yeah with with a high school wardrobe
0: yeah yeah it's just very much a high school project um and marco is trying to go through everything and he's pointing out that he doesn't quite know what he's doing because actually ellie and him are supposed to be working with heather sinclair Um, which any veteran knows is kind of the nameless- is the named but faceless, uh, character in Degrassi that they kind- that a lot of the characters dump on continuously. I don't even know. Frank, have you picked up on this? They've referenced her at least five times since you have watched this.
1: I miss them, like... cool too.
0: Yeah, like, it's very interesting because it's something that, like, I was aware of when I watched it as a kid, but I don't know how much of it was I was aware of it because I picked up on how many times they referenced it or how much of it was just because I was on the Degrassi boards and people pointed her out. But, um... Yeah, no, she's named a couple times. Page name checks her a couple times. Even in, in her plot, I think she does.
1: I actually clicked on her name on the Degrassi wiki and, like it says like the wiki says she's the constant enemy of Paige M- michael chuck yeah and Paige says she's the only person meaner than me
0: yeah yeah like you don't like she is faceless but she has been she is talked about probably at least once every like major page plot and it's very interesting like i said like you did not notice it i did not really point it out But, um, I felt like it was probably worth asking as we get to the end of season two, like, have you even noticed? Um, but yeah, keep your ears out, ears open, because, like, she does get referenced quite a bit in in a lot of the episodes, specifically when Paige is involved. But in this case, she's supposed to be working with Marco, she's supposed to be, I guess, like, the, the girl that Marco is kind of dancing around. So Ellie volunteers to kind of stand in place to help him out, to figure out, like, where he should be.
2: To help with the blocking. Yeah,
0: he should be, where he should be for his blocking. Um, And then as Marco kind of comes over toward her, um, they're very close. Ellie takes this as a cue to lean in toward him and kiss him. Ugh. (sighs) (laughs) He does not, his lips do not move.
2: Uh-oh. <laughs> uh Oh. Yeah, it's just everything. It's just so sad.
0: <clears throat> yeah, it's really sad. Like he does not like react. Like he's just like they're flat faced.
2: I think he's he's largely surprised. Yeah. I mean, obviously, he wasn't expecting it to happen. Yeah. And, you know, after it's over, he realizes that that was. What that kind of kiss meant yeah in which what it means is that was um that was ellie taking advantage of the situation to to kiss him in a way that he does not want to be kissed because that's what she wants she wants a romantic relationship with him and he cannot give it so that sets the stage for the rest of this B plot
0: yeah um they walk away from each other and like they kind of separate but like it's very tense afterwards. Like Ellie goes behind the camera, Marco stays on the state the set, but it's a very very tense exchange. Even though nothing verbally is really said, it's just
2: <sighs> Ellie tries to play it off like it was nothing. It meant nothing. Um, but she knows it's that's being seen, seen right through.
0: Yeah. So in response to this, the next time they come in. Ellie says hi to Marco, um, and explains that she has a new direction that she wants to take the whole entire commercial. Um, the vision that she has is much more, it's a much simpler vision, it's a much more minimalist vision. Honestly, more in line to what you would expect, like, I feel like perfume commercials during this time period. Um.
2: She, she quotes, and this is a line I found hysterical, Dewitt was getting lost in all the glitz.
0: Yeah so
2: she brings it she she changes the direction entirely and she is the director and marco trusts trusts her vision but this this new direction is a minimalist um spoiler for the next scene here like black turtleneck minimalist kind of vision here yeah to which marco like kind of sees how she's working on it and he's like okay um minimalist i kind of call it boring <laughs> <laughs> but he's like okay you know you're the director i'll trust you yeah so he he lets it go <laughs> Yeah. And he, here we are transitioning to the next scene where where they're trying to film this commercial in the new vision and and it's just so black turtleneck super super sleek black turtleneck look um tiny
0: sunglasses
2: tiny sunglasses <laughs> I have written on my notes here, Matrix Marco. <laughs> and he's he's tr- he's really trying to get this line out and like be serious and and commit to this minimalist. I don't like whatever vibe you want to give this commercial here. Um, and he's saying this line, we are as one. And he just he immediately starts cracking up. He can't get it out. Yeah. he's he's trying to say we are as one, absorb mm-hmm. each other. And like me too, buddy. I could not for <laughs> the life of me get that line out. And it apparently, this has been the seventh take that he screwed up.
0: Only the seventh, though. Let's be only good. the
2: seventh. But like, for one line, it's a yeah, it's a doozy. So,
1: <laughs> and uh, Ellie has brought in professional assistant director Sean, who just keeps yelling, "You're wearing a neck, Be more like an artist."
0: Yes, this very important.
1: <laughs> it's like what does that even mean, Sean? It's like wear the turtleneck got artist.
0: You <laughs> That's like what Tracker brother, says I mean down everybody, down. Down. everybody knows
2: like the, the, the cliche turtleneck um uh painter's brush and, and painter's what do they call it? The palette. The palette in hand and the, and the beret on top you, you know it's yeah. the look yeah you're an artist <laughs> Mar- tra- marco is not an artist <laughs> that's why tracker
1: always puts on a taranac before he plays in his cover band he's an artist
0: oh my god tracker's cover band is back god. oh okay, that's a
1: new oh new <laughs> yeah that
0: is that is it's true um so marco is marco finds the whole entire thing ridiculous he reveals that he doesn't think the concept should work and he feels like a slave and how like being on hell he's just kind of like at ellie's like whim of what she wants to which ellie says that she feels like one outside of their whole entire acting um how, in within their relationship yes yeah so ellie says like you know she feels like that in their relationship and asks marco just you know is it that you can't be, you know, is it that you can't be into girls, or that you, or that you won't be into girls, and it's really stressful, the scene was recorded, like, they never hit stop on the camera, and it's just a very tense, stressful moment that you know that Ellie is not handling the situation perfectly, but it's also impossible, I feel like, to expect a kid that young to handle it perfectly when she does not have somebody else to talk to about it
2: she's i mean she's doing she's trying she is and in this in this scene it's it's this is her lashing out yeah because you know this is this is and it's been talked about a little bit before but this is a very unfair situation to put her in yeah and she's She's not handling it perfectly, but I think, as Donnie mentioned, about as good as you could expect a high school girl with no support in the matter, not allowed to talk to anybody about it, could handle it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it culminates in, I, I think we missed one more thing, which I think is important to bring up. Mm. Um, uh, you know, they, 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 they have a, a, a small argument about the direction of this commercial to which Ellie... Ellie says, um, retorts with, um, I wanted to move away from that flaming.
0: Oh, yeah, God. Oof.
2: And, and she doesn't finish that thought because she immediately realizes that she fucked up. hmm And that's, you know, she did. She screwed that up. That was real bad. At, at which Marco responds with, um, ah, so that's what this is about. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and, and then there's some exchanges between the two of them along this matter too, like um, you know, she thinks that it's unfair to put her in this situation um, she's she, she's forced to pretend to be someone who and then Marco finishes the sentence for her someone someone you are not thinking he's being very clever with this but ultimately he just gets turned around on him because he's doing the same thing to her he's forcing her to be someone she's not with him Yeah, and it's just a big old, big old ball of suck yeah, it's just like, it's, uh, it's such a bad
1: situation for everybody.
0: It really is. And it's, it's, it's hard because. It's hard because it's not just a case of Ellie has to, you know, not tell people Marco is gay. And like, because like that happens all the time. Like, being. having somebody come out to you with the stipulation that you can't say it to everyone. Like, we even have folks that have been on the show we've used different names for to hide and keep them safe from that. That's an entirely different thing from having to be part of the narrative of covering it up. And especially in the case of how Marco deals with this, it's not just, oh, we're together, no, you, you know, our contact doesn't change their dynamic has certain expectations attached to it that they have to hold hands and kiss hands and you know exaggeratedly like kiss each other's like hands in the middle of class and and things like that it's more than just a label there's this weird public performance that we're seeing marco struggle with a lot especially because like he feels the need to compensate his masculine like you know overcompensate with masculinity that it's an incredibly stressful intense situation to be in
1: yeah Uh, so um i don't um so then just there's so much to the a plot like this is one another one of those b plots where i feel it's just like scene 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 we're we out (laughs)
0: Yeah, but I will say that the last scene is pretty important. Oh, yeah, no, it's, it's... It's it's very important. I really should have looked it up, its cultural significance before I went into this, because um, Ellie is editing the footage, and, you know, Marco approaches her, and he's really clear that, like, you know, you're my best friend, and the whole entire stuff. Um, and... Ellie asks like you know it has like you know has he is he still confused is basically what it comes down to like you know have you thought about me in a romantic sense or not are you still trying to figure out if you're gay and he just he just says like you know I figured it out I'm gay like very explicitly says I'm gay um which is huge Because a lot of the time when characters kind of come out, especially in this time period and still in this contemporary times to a certain extent, like, characters using identifiers is not always easy. Um, And this is definitely more of a struggle that I think um, finding bisexual representation, I think it's more of a struggle for, for that type of representation. But even then, in that time period, to have a character just be like, no, like, I'm gay, like, that's a huge moment to have. Um it's interesting that it's a B plot that it happens in. Because obviously like his realization that he might not be straight was an A plot and that was a pretty big A plot, but to have the final realization be a B plot is very intriguing to me. Sure. I kind of like it.
2: I Yeah, me too. Um Like it's definitely a very pivotal scene, but it's it's so subtle that I think putting overdue focus on it <clears throat> might have detracted from the weight of it, actually. And maybe that's, maybe the writers could get credit, you know, deserve that credit for this. Um, I, th- I thought it was pretty pretty good as a B-plot, to be honest. Because we, we knew, we had already been exposed to a lot of this plot before. There had been some strife in their dynamic even before this episode. Um, because of this, exactly. And this is just the culmination of it, and it's not underwhelming but it's it's not overwhelming either
0: well it also kind of speaks to that experience of being lgbtq and how like coming out is such like a complicated thing right because it's like there's not one moment there might be the first moment that you come out but it's a continuous negotiation that you make with yourself in any space that you occupy and i think that in many ways this is kind of showing that yeah okay this is Marco saying this to Ellie but in many ways it seems like you can kind of grasp that Marco's kind of understanding the gravity of this in the sense that okay fine you came out to your best friend but now what like okay you're not confused anymore now what are you going to do are you going to tell more people about it are you not going to tell more people about it are you going to keep this to yourself until you hit a certain grade or until you graduate until you go to college etc cetera, etc etc. Cetera? Um, and that's a very real weight for folks who come out around this age, and, like, that negotiation that I know I was dealing with when I saw this plot, and, like, when I saw Marco figuring this stuff out, because I, too, was trying to figure out a lot of these things, like, okay, I'm confused, okay, maybe I'm not that confused, okay, I'll tell my best friend about it, I will write her a letter, I wrote her a letter, okay, now what? (laughs) Like, damn! Um... And it's very interesting to watch uh, him kind of experiencing this and, at the time, experiencing it simultaneously and now just kind of remembering it. Like, this is, like, bringing back a lot of memories for me. Which are not wholly unpleasant, but it makes me glad that I had Marco as a character. Yeah, sure. When this was happening. But, yeah, um... Yeah, I don't know. I feel like they always... Like, these Marco episodes always hit me. Like, in a very specific way. But I think it's just because, like, that's what media representation can do for you.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I think it's just because, like... Marco is just... Kind of just, like, such an every person.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, he doesn't have, like... He did, like his per, like his personality it doesn't have kind of like a hook like all the other characters. Like you know, he's not like, oh, I'm like a stand-up
2: comedian, like He is a breakdancer. Yes, but
0: Will we ever get back to that? <laughs> I didn't even remember that was something he did when I rewatched it.
1: <laughs> I was just <laughs> I was just thinking of what we said in the last Marco focused episodes. Like I tried breaking dancing through the pro I tried breakdancing through the problem, that didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> um But it's just like you know what I mean is like Marco like a bunch. like for me the other kids, like their pet personalities feel so much like bigger. And mm-hmm. Marco's personality is like a bit you know, like. He's a bit small... Like, it's a bit smaller. Like, there's nothing overly blocking you from, like, imagining yourself like Marco.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, you know, with somebody like Spinner, you're like, well, I'm not a bully. And, like, with so Like, Paige, like, I'm also not a bully or, like, you know, queen of the school. With Marco... Marco's just Marco. Yeah. And then, well, you can really just project yourself into him. Because it's just, like... There's nothing... It's never really there, which doesn't make him uninteresting or like, you know, a bad actor or anything. I just think it's like, I don't want to give the writers, once again, that much credit for it. But like, I think it's just easy to like, see yourself in Marco's shoes.
0: Yeah. And I I think there's something about that where I feel like I, I, I like that you said he has a smaller presence than some of the other characters. Like Paige takes up. The whole entire scene when she's in it she literally gives one line and it's like the highlight of the episode marco occupies a smaller space in terms of like how he when he takes on a scene but i think in many ways it complements the situation that he's in number one as somebody who's coming out as somebody trying to figure out yourself and trying to figure out your identity and not quite knowing how you fit in and being scared to you know allow yourself to express yourself it makes sense that his character is going to be on the quieter end But also it compliments him in certain ways, like, even- even in an episode as horrible as, like, Drive where he was nervous about the whole entire premise even though he was still gonna go along with it. Like, this is a character who doesn't want to make his parents mad (laughs) and makes him a very funny kind of character to have on a show like this because, like, you know, a lot of the kids, they're- they're still realistic in how they misbehave, but, like, some of them are misbehaving. And he's like, well, I want to be with everyone, but also, uh, I don't know, uh, <laughs> I don't want my mom to yell at me. Like, it's kind of nice in that sense that he is a character who, who in that process is relatable. Like, he's the one that many kids can connect to. He was a kid that I could connect to, not just because he was Italian, but also because, like, yeah, I was that kid. I was at the mall being a delinquent, but not that much of a delinquent. Like, it's nice to see a character acting that way that you can protect your project yourself on and probably I know I could and I know other fans especially fans who were LGBTQ were able to Um, but to make this scene you know the scene is like you know the scene happens it's really important Marco formally comes out and they have this really sad affirmation with each other like they're always going to be friends Even though this is Ellie officially having to let go. And this is Ellie having beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is no point in trying to pursue something romantic with Marco. And that, yeah, okay, you have a friend, and that's important, and friendships are very important. But when you are that age, and you have a crush, and there was a chance that you were potentially going to end up together, it hurts.
1: Yeah. And... Cause it's, yeah. it's like, I mean, it's not like, they're not, they're, I, I'm not like, they don't get into like, are they still going to pretend to be a couple, but it's in essence a breakup. Yeah. Like it's the quelling of like a hope that Ellie might have had. And that's like, it's not Mark, like, yeah you know, I don't want to place blame on Marco for being who he is, but it's just like, that's going to hurt no matter what
0: yeah yeah and like even if it isn't like it's not ellie's fault it's not anything ellie could have done differently it's not any way that ellie could present herself or anything like that but there's still going to be that thought that goes through your head like okay what did i do wrong what did you know what could i have done differently that he would not feel this way yeah um it's it's a really rough vulnerable thing position for her to be in and you know we can look at it as outsiders and be like oh well you know it's you know whatever like he's gay just give it up but like especially when you're that young and especially when you have a crush on someone and somebody like ellie who struggles with having crushes on people like struggles to actually sincerely like people to have her have to let that go she sucks. has very
2: high standards she does and marco met those standards she, and he did. he's not in her that way
0: <laughs> yeah exactly like she does have very high standards i don't blame her um and you know she wanted she's, she's
2: worth the high standards.
0: She is. She is. She wanted someone that got her and wanted somebody who liked her and wanted somebody who thought that she, you know, she was interesting looking and interesting in general and you know, she can't hang on to it unfortunately because of the situation and that Marco is gay. And that's it.
2: And that's it. Yeah. Let's move on to the A-plot.
0: I love what we're saying as if the A-plot is any lighter.
2: It's Um, not. It's not. Oh, it's
1: so much. Mm. No,
0: it's easy breezy. No, it's not. Um, So we see the the episode for the A-plot. This is where the bulk of the sexual assault discussions are going to happen. Once again, check the bottom of the comments if you want to skip it. Um, Paige is in the... um, (laughs) I thought it was kind of obvious it was being set up. She was in it in a therapy session um she's reading a letter it's to dean whom you may remember was the guy who sexually assaulted her um and it's really important to listen to because she is making it very clear that what had happened that night um it was dean's fault period she Mm -hmm. said no she did her job as somebody who was trying to vocalize that she did not want it um not to say that that, you know you need to say no or anything like that but still like to her she said i said no i did you know it's not my fault she's absolving herself of of a lot of the blame that she was going through which is
2: i mean obviously everyone's response and reaction to going through something like this is different but that is usually a very big step for someone yeah because they're you know in, in working with with many survivors the number one thing you hear from them is, "I could have avoided this. Yeah, I, if I was only not wearing this, if I had only been clearer in what I said,
3: mm-hmm.
2: had I only not gone over to his place." Mm-hmm. And there's just an, an inordinate amount of guilt that a lot of a lot of survivors go through in in this. So this is a big step for her. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it, it, even. Even the therapist acknowledges that, too. Like, she says, oh, you've, you've stopped blaming yourself. Good.
0: Yeah. Which, we, yeah. Yeah, we meet Sauve, um, who I remember from Degrassi. I remember that name. As soon as she said her name, I was like, oh, I remember her. Like, I distinctly remember this person. Um, so we do get to meet her for the first time in this episode. <clears throat> um, and Sovey is like, you know, this is a great breakthrough. You know, and is planning. Like, they finish up the session. She's like, oh, okay. Like, you know, same time next week. Um, and Paige is just, like, well, like, it's gonna be a waste, because I'm cured, right? Like, I acknowledge that Dean is the person who did this to me, and I don't see myself as at fault here, so, like, I'm good.
2: She says, I'm over this. Yeah. In very, in very Paige fashion. Too.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. It's, it's interesting. So, I was gonna reveal this later on, but I, I feel like it's worth mentioning. When I saw this episode, they put this episode like the end did this thing where they put this episode right after shout and it was like a mini movie so
2: so shout's episode one two and then this episode so yeah three episodes it's about an hour about yeah. an hour and change
0: so so keep in mind like shout ends with her doing the performance and all that type of stuff <clears> and <throat> then like it then continues into this scene and it's very interesting to me watching it because when I watched it on the end, like, it came off instantaneous, because it literally was, for all intents and purposes, instantaneous. In the sense that it was like, okay, she sang a song about it, you know, she got, you know, she came together with the girls in her life, she went to the guidance counselor, now she's at the guidance counselor, and she's saying that she's cured. And it's very interesting to see that as an adult, and as an adult now who has a lot of experience with sexual assault survivors, to to see the reality of how this episode was supposed to be which was it was supposed to be toward the end of the season enough time passed that there were two different sports seasons that happened because it opens with soccer and now they're at a basketball tournament like time has passed in this but i don't think i read the time passing when i saw it back to back to back because it's degrassi time and time is fake (laughs) that's true so it's also interesting in that sense where it seems like putting this episode after Shout speeds up what recovery looks like in a way that I don't feel comfortable with, especially because that wasn't the intent. Of oh, it's how very the episode...
2: unrealistic. If, yeah. If, if t- I mean, obviously that's not the case and the writers knew that was not the case because this episode came um like nearly nearly a season apart from each other I think this yeah i was, was like
0: season i was episode seven and eight and now this is episode 20 yeah. like time so it's, it's, has passed it's pretty
2: far along yeah mm-hmm. and 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 time has in, even in the episode shown to have moved along too it's you know it's now the end of basketball season instead of middle of soccer season yeah i um, assuming those I don't know much about seasons, sports, but I think those are two different seasons. They are, they are. there you go. That's the time. That's, I think, at least a reasonable amount of time for for someone like, you know, for someone like Paige to come to the conclusion that she's not at fault. (laughs) Um, Just for
1: for reference, like, for real life time, uh, Shout premiered on, Shout Part 1 premiered on November 3rd, 2002, and Shout Part 2 on November 10th how soon is now premiered on february 9th 2003
0: okay yeah so like time passed even while you were watching the airing schedule of this originally um and it's just very i don't know i feel like the end did this a lot where there are a lot of episodes that when i saw them originally were not in the order that they were intended or they kind of like combined episodes together um Next season, we're actually going to be watching episodes that I was not, like, that were not aired in the U.S. for a couple years. Like, it took a while before a pair of episodes even made it to, like, my, my... Like, it was, like, really hard to get a hold of it. <laughs> like, you would have to, like, talk to some Canadian friends who had it ripped and stuff like that. It was, like, a really confusing process to try and get it. Um, so it's very interesting seeing how... The intent, the Canadian audience, how they intended to show it to Canadian audiences and how the end then went, let's change it up a little bit. And in the process, really diluted some of the intent here. Because I think there was intent here. Having Shout at the beginning of the season, having How Soon is Now at the end of the season.
1: Yeah, like we've seen Paige, like, living her life both. Yeah, this is the first time we see see her going in, her actually in therapy. But, like, you know, you get to see her recovery process, like, over the course of the year. And, uh, yeah, like, there's something weird about being like, nope, we're just gonna jump straight towards the end.
2: I mean, I think that's how largely a lot of American television syndicated things, playing it out of order, just putting things together because it was the same plotline, even if it didn't make sense contextually, it's... I understand it It was not very effective in, yeah. in in this case.
0: Yeah, it doesn't. It gives a disservice to the growth that Paige has at the end of Shout, I feel like. The fact that she's allowing herself to be so vulnerable and that she's looking for support. And then suddenly we see her just in here saying, like, yeah, it's fine. I, I wrote the letter. I'm good. Not to say that it isn't a realistic thing and that other survivors may have come to similar conclusions, but, you know, it's kind of... I don't know it just changes it. it changes the intent of it it changes the context of it sure
2: so we've she she exits the the therapist office um i don't remember if it's the same scene or not i think it's two different scenes but next thing we see her is she's talking with well, jt comes up to her
0: jt's a mime he's JT in a box. Is pretending
2: to be a mime he's he's very adamant that he's in a box like anything like page starts to like respond to him is like no i'm in a box <sighs> and it just continues to do these 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 you know not very effective mime um yeah my and my immediate reaction is why why the f is jt talking to page in this, having this uh, kind of kind of <laughs> um interactions with each other and it's seeming to be pretty genuine um donnie had to remind me that jt is the and for the audience members here um as a reminder jt is the mascot and as Paige is a cheerleader they coordinate sometimes with their um cheerleading coordination sorry for the poor wording there anyway i guess he's trying to do a mind box for for the next for the next showing for the next um I don't know competition or is she in a competition cheerleading so the basketball
0: team is in a regional tournament that Degrassi is hosting so Paige wants to make sure that like they all look the best they can for the competition itself
2: Okay, so JT immediately thinks the best that he can look is by perfecting his miming skills.
0: Yeah, so, like, so like he says, like, you know, he basically was like, gesturing, like, she has to open up the door. So she does. And then... <laughs> I know it's kind of cute. It is. In,
2: in, 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 you know, he's at least not being gross with her. It's just yeah. silly.
0: Yeah, like, he's just being silly, which, which I wish he did, like, you know, most of the time I see his wretched little face. Get,
1: like, th- this is. I was just like, oh, JT is actually kind of cute in this yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah.
0: He's very endearing in this episode. I'll go into exactly why I, I find him so endearing later on. But, like, he he's jokey and playful. And, like, that's the thing. Like, he's genuinely playful. He's not scheming to get the girl in a way that's, like, super gross. Like, he's being nice to her, but he's bringing something to the table that isn't just him, like, staring her up and down and licking his lips.
1: And it's also like he's being playful and not like having Toby moat about his fake boobs.
0: Yeah,
2: God, she's never forget.
0: <laughs> I was not ready. That was that was that was lewd. That was a lot. Ugh. Anyway, so Paige like you know talks to him talks about like how she actually likes his material. He's surprised. He's like waiting for her to make a joke or some kind of comment about it, but she's just genuinely like, "No, I do think you're funny." Um and she's like in a really good mood. We can see that she's kind of, you know, she feels that she has built up a lot of really like confidence and getting back to like, you know, some semblance of normal to her. So she's like, "Oh, yeah, you're really good." She like walks over to Spinner and Marco who are leaning against the wall in such a bizarre fashion like it can't be good for their props yeah yeah they're just like props and then she's just like hey boys and they're just like oh hey she's
2: like finger guns like snap 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 your look your roots look good spinner and then like walks away
0: yeah 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 (laughs) um and like you know she you can it's it's the way of showing her like oh it's a way for showing the audience like oh like okay her hang-ups toward men because of being sexually assaulted perhaps are being undone a little bit you yeah know.
2: it's it's a little ham fisted here but
0: I do know kind of gets, get it. It gets the
2: job done I get it it's, yeah. it's not like she's not coming out and saying to them like I'm over my rape what's up boys like she's yeah. showing it in actions and it's it's not very subtle as as a writer I think but it's okay
0: it goes back to like this is an audience yes, of kids, is and an sometimes kids. you need to have these more overt scenes. Sure. I I did not mind it. No. What I minded was how they were leaning against the wall, but
2: <laughs> like a bunch of delinquents. <laughs>
0: yeah, right. Well, there was there was wonky direction in this episode. I actually found this episode written pretty well. I thought the writing was solid. I thought mm-hmm. the direction was horrendous on this episode.
2: Specifically, the cuts between a plot and b plot were bad.
0: Yeah, yeah. the writing was wonky.
1: I, I, I'm wondering if that was, like, the director's choice to make it, like, I don't know, because it like, the outside thing had kind of, like, a Hallmark movie feel to it. It did. Yes. it's yes. very, it's very
2: saturated with color and yes. whatnot. Yes. Uh, we were going to comment, Donnie and I had the same comments going through it. The lighting was just bizarre in this episode. Yeah. It was very cinematic. Yeah. But, like, out without, of Without, very out of place cinematic. Um... Like just very, as as Frank was mentioning, saturated colors. There's a lot of like sunset scenes or or, or attempts at morning scenes, but it was but definitely like like definitely evening evening light. <laughs> Her in the room. Scene.
0: It was totally a sunset.
2: <laughs> we're we're going magic hour, folks.
0: Yeah. Like,
2: Like just 100% magic hour for this entire episode, anytime they're outside.
0: Like, the only thing I can think of is it's supposed to reference back to the saturation of, like, the beginning of Shout, where, you know, when she's, like, on the field, like, watching Dean play, and the lighting is... It can't be it, though. It But that's what the lighting was kind of similar to, just, like, that very, like you said, very Hallmark-looking. Yes. It was odd. Um... And there was just weird direction throughout the episode it's really a shame because once again i think the writing was actually quite good in this episode mm-hmm. i think especially okay. jt and Paige's exchanges were great
2: they felt very genuine they were
0: very well written um but there's just very wonky blocking very wonky lighting very wonky like that type of stuff anyway um next time we see everybody it's cheerleading practice um, Spinner kind of marches in and he's in like a bad mood because they are waiting on one last contestant for the tournament. So they were waiting for the results of one of the games. Um, and Spinner slaps on the name of a school and ends up being Bardell, which is the school that Dean is from. Um, to which Spinner looks at Paige and goes, oh, your boyfriend's back in a very dismissive manner.
2: Because if you remember... Um... I'm not getting this right, wrong, right? Spinner was like kinda with Paige, yeah, he not quite dating. Up. They had they had planned a date for the one weekend, but that was the weekend of the party at which Paige was assaulted. And yeah. she stood him up to go to that. Oh. And he still is kinda not really let go of that. Um, not entirely, so he feels page lied to him yeah then like, it's a
0: pretty ugly lie like her grandmother was sick, oh, so yeah. Like, oh she's, uh, yeah, she, yeah and then
2: he went to the party and saw her go upstairs with dean yeah yes yeah, so he's real jilted and very deservedly so or he he is in the right to feel jilted about that yeah not knowing the context of what happened
0: yeah the way that he handles his anger is not great but his anger it's understandable
2: you know i think it's fine to be honest, he, he, he doesn't know the context of what happened between them.
0: Maybe I'm just a more sensitive person. If I kept making disparaging comments about a boyfriend, ex-boyfriend, and the person was, like, shutting down in a way that, like, was not great. Do you
2: think Spinner has the capacity no! to agree that she's shutting down? <laughs> no. I that.
1: <laughs> Here's the thing. I have to disagree because, like, we've seen Spinner be more sensitive than that. And, like, my... Th- my thing is just like I think it's just a bit of bad writing on, on, on the on the writer's part, where it's just like we've seen Spinner be more like conscious of like what women have to go through, and also there was a point where Paige Straub screamed at him, "Do
2: not touch me."
0: Oh, that's right, that did happen in shout and like, Rick. like
2: I'm like Spinner. I don't think he's I I, I think we're coming up from the the, the perspective of knowing what happened. Mm-hmm. yeah and so we're i a think bias we are very biased and and i think him not knowing what happened he is assuming that she is upset with him because she doesn't like him i think in a teenage boy's mind it will just boil down to she doesn't like me and and my pursuits or my desires towards her or whatever are annoying to her and she's mm-hmm. upset with that i think that's where he's coming from
0: that's I, a good point
2: yeah that's a better, that's a good point yeah and i really don't fault him um and you know he he comes back in this episode and you know we'll get to him again yeah mm-hmm. I, I i think throwing a a your boyfriend line out there is it's not out of line from him so <laughs> with, with what
0: he knows regardless the fact that it's bardell and everything paige begins to have like a flashback to see of like seeing dean it's like kind of like a Mm -hmm. non-specific but really aggressive shot of him it's done in that slightly blue lighting that we remember from when she flashed back and shout Mm -hmm. um so she then you know she's obviously very much shaken up she leaves and she goes to sauve and she tells sauve like i want to press charges against dean and um i actually love this part Because it's probably the most accurate, real, but still supportive overview of what it is, like, what to expect if you go through with legal charges for this that I have seen in pretty much any media, really. Like, the way that Sove talks about it is that, you know, she's like, you know, I, you know, yeah, we can go through it. But keep in mind, like, it is very evidence heavy to go into this area. If you want to accuse somebody of, and you want to actually win in your court case, it, the amount of evidence that you would need to actually win it is rough.
2: Yeah, so this is where, I mean, we both, Don and I, really appreciated this scene because it is very accurate to, to you know, we, we both have experience in doing exactly this the evidence collection, the supporting, and going through supporting survivors through the ordeal of reporting it and pursuing legal action yeah obviously that's different in the states than in 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 canada but but a lot of the stuff that they had
0: a lot of the stuff they talked about rang true in the u.s so Mm -hmm. like a big thing was paige was like yeah but like you know there was you know they you know there were photos there was like you know like you know we i i think she had evidence of some sort collected but like, I think she may have gone I, through a forensic examination, but it doesn't sound like it they was, had any evidence.
2: Yeah, they didn't. They didn't specify whether she had any evidence collected. Yeah, uh, I think she probably didn't. At least not within that like five day exam.
0: window. I think she had an exam. That's probably what she did.
1: She, um, I'm on the wiki. I just had a uh, post assault exams were clear. Yeah. Okay.
0: It sounds like she had an exam, but it also sounds like it was definitely out of the range. So I think like it was
2: well after, yeah, the the incident. I think this was not something because it took her a while to ag- acknowledge, acknowledge what it was. Yeah, it
0: definitely was beyond. i felt like it was more than five days for her to come to terms um, with it. So again,
2: uh for maybe I guess we should be clear for our listeners who haven't heard us talk about this and shout. Both Danny and I are volunteers for, um, what was used to be called the the Rape Crisis Center, in our our uh, our county but it's it's dealing with sexual assault um survivors and supporting them emotionally and and through this evidence collection for using to to report and pursue legal action so the the therapist she did a great job of being like hardline. this will be very hard to do yeah um she supports her she i think she actually says the line of like if this is something you're serious about we will build the best case that is possible she
0: does it's great
2: which is very empowering. Yeah. Um, she
0: handles this flawlessly. She handles it better than me. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> I'm so impressed.
2: Yeah, we will do the best that we can, but she is very transparent in that she did not have evidence of bruising. She did not have evidence of, like, penetration. Um, it is going to boil down to a he-shed, she-shed situation. And if you're up for that, we will do the best we can.
0: Yeah, it's, it's really great in this the scene's really great in a sense that it is she also makes a point to say like you know once this goes into the legal system like we don't control it which yeah, is something right. that, know, is re- about that it's really hard to talk about in in our volunteering but it is something that's absolutely true like we can support people as much as we can and we can cheer them on during the legal process but like at the end of the day like we are not the judge and jury here and
2: uh, and also what's important to, disti- to make the distinction of here is that You as the survivor don't press charges. The police presses charges. It's up to the state, whatever legal department is there, to be have the report of this of the assault happen, and it's up to them to decide what to do with it.
0: Yeah. So like when when she says you don't have control,
2: it's true. It's true. It's up to them. Like they might look at the evidence and say this is not worth this is not worth pursuing a case about. Yeah. And sometimes that's as far as it gets, and it fucking sucks. Yeah. But. As, as the therapist said if you want to do this we will we will make sure it's the best possible case that we can bring
0: yeah yeah it's it's a very well done scene yeah, it great. is extremely transparent it is trying to empower her in a way that i feel like it's very hard to find in sexual assault narratives in general in media Which is what makes me so impressed by this all these years later. Like, Shout impressed me, but this scene also impressed me in an entirely different way. Um, and unfortunately it also speaks to how little this type of stuff has changed. We are still struggling with trying to bring people, you know, justice.
2: Still struggling with getting the statute of limitations to be beyond, like, ten years.
0: Yeah, still struggling to get even evidence to stay without getting destroyed or back or kits backlogged and things like that and it's just it kind of reminds you how yes there are people fighting the good fight and yes there are people here to support survivors but there's so much that has to be done in the legal system before we can truly support people which sucks but the scene is done really well and still holds up in 2018 for better and for worse um and the next time we see Paige she is just kind of sitting alone in the courtyard Which we've seen the courtyard before. We've seen actually Hasselakos kind of hang out there and trying to decompress after um, an incident herself. Um, And JT is passing by and he kind of tries to do another joke. This time it's that he's going through a wind tunnel and he's gripping onto like the... Yes, Frank. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, That uh, this time he's clinging to like the window panes and everything and trying to just kind of get a laugh out of her. But it's not working.
1: They're, they're in the Zen garden again.
0: Yeah, yeah. Is that it's, it's called the Zen garden, right? I call it a courtyard. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, it's JT. It's the uh, perpetual JT bother spot.
0: Yes. Um, so Paige leaves the courtyard, and as she's leaving, she's going through the hall. JT tears over to her and goes, Paige, are you mad at me? <sighs> but he doesn't know. But also... Oh, boy.
2: Again, this is typical well it's you know it's his perspective all he sees is that she is upset about something Mm -hmm. and maybe it's him
0: yeah exactly um
2: which for most of the time would be would be a fair guess yeah
0: (laughs) yeah yeah it would be um Mm -mm. and a page then explains that you know she isn't going to be cheering uh for the tournament there is someone that she can't see. Um, JT is just like, well, why don't you just give him attitude, like like you always do. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, this exchange is written so well because like there's this really good part where he goes, oh, is that like your ex boyfriend or something? And she just kind of goes, oh, he, like or something. And it's, like, this really good moment because he reads it very well. He's like, oh, okay, something's up. I don't really know what, but okay, something's up. And, like, the way that she establishes it is very her. And just, like, the exchange is really good. And it's probably one of the moments that I've liked JT the most mm-hmm. in a very, very long time, maybe ever.
2: I, I like JT a lot this episode. Yeah. Yeah, we all do, which is a big surprise. <laughs> but he's he's honestly one of the best things about this episode. And you'll get to see why. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and, and he gives, like, a nice... You know he he talks her up. He's like, you know, just give him attitude. Just be yourself. And she, she responds to like, is this why is this, is this why you've been stalking me just to give me a little pep talk? Yeah, <laughs> which is like, you know, he is kind of stalking her, but if it's to give a little pep talk, that's not so bad.
3: <laughs>
2: anyway, he he like pats her sh- shoulder and leaves at that.
0: You yeah. know, he does not
2: acknowledge whether he's stalking her or not.
0: <laughs> but... No. He... <laughs> Still, JT. Still, JT. In
2: the middle, he is like he has a
1: very large crush on her. But
0: yes, 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 yes. Um,
1: I will give him credit for not just being JT in this moment.
0: This is good because it gives me. I like it in the sense that it establishes that this crush is more than just he's into her because she's a girl. It it comes off like he likes her because yeah. of what she rings as a person like she has this attitude he likes that about her he likes that she has like you know fight in her and things like that
2: he likes that she laughs at his jokes sometimes
0: yeah yeah there's some like very cute aspects to this whole entire thing that we never really got to see in that plot where they went on a date it it felt just kind of
2: it was very forced yeah from a writing perspective it was it was like you you as a viewer are forced to believe that they have good chemistry together
0: yeah but like this i genuinely believe yes this i 100 percent believe that they do have decent enough chemistry doesn't mean that it's gonna work out as she pointed out she you know he's a baby um but it works really well i really liked it um the next time we see everyone Paige is like
2: Paige is with Hazel and they're outside the school.
1: Sorry there's just like a moment that really kind of hit me. Yeah. Um, Before this we see Paige I, well, I forget if it's before this scene or just another what, scene. What she's
0: in her room and the lighting is really wonky?
2: Well, yeah, well, Donnie we're... was that necessary? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> We've already I talked about this.
0: I already that's how I remember the scene.
2: Well, it's just like she's just sitting
1: like straight up like on the edge of her bed and, like, I, I immediately, like,
2: filled in the blank of, like, she's been up all night.
0: Yeah. Okay, so it yeah. was that
2: scene. You were right. Yeah, actually.
0: yeah, yeah. I know. Was, um, this was yeah. the scene
2: that we're supposed to believe it was morning because her alarm goes off, but she's, like, she's sitting straight up wide awake, and then her alarm goes off. So it's the yeah. saying we're supposed to believe she's been awake for the entire night and has not slept. Yeah,
1: and it just, like, I mean, this whole episode was just breaking my heart piece by piece, but, like, that just shattered it in two.
2: Mm-hmm. It would have been a more effective shattering had lighting not been <laughs> at like i wasn't
0: even going 7 7
2: p.m lighting
0: i was not even going to sink to that level but no you did <laughs> thanks gwyn I... you're the villain
1: okay, we, yeah, we, okay. we, we do need a little levity no.
0: on this episode it's true we do need the levity i'm teasing gwyn you're not
2: so it's the next morning um page and, Paige and hazel staring outside the school they're I don't know, maybe they're greeting other cheerleaders or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, they're
0: like in the process of like, you know, getting ready and set up and stuff. Yeah.
2: And so then we see Dean for the first time this episode in 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 the flesh. Somehow even more terrifying than oh, he was before. He
0: is He's even scary. more. He's really scary. Like, Hazel's trying to get Paige, like, in. Like, I think what really scared me was how brazen he is the whole entire time. He yeah. does not well, before, give
2: a before, fuck. Before we get there, so even before he's interacting with Paige at all um we see she sees him from a distance and then this is where the direction of this episode like writing i think was really great as i mentioned but the directing was just bad Mm -hmm. she sees him and then the the camera does this terrible action zoom like zoom zoom onto his face like read the room please
0: yeah it's 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 very odd and so we get a very we get a very
2: we get a very close um a nice close-up of his new haircut which is about as asshole of a haircut you could imagine. oh my god
0: he has like those like really narrow chops which i forget what they're called like just ugh. just
2: shaved shaved into points and yes. angles and it, it makes him look extraordinarily aggressive and i know that yeah. was the point
0: oh yeah
2: um he just looks he looks- shmarmy, aggressive and and mean
0: he He looks looks so much older too like i don't actually know how old the actor was when this was filmed but something about him i wouldn't be surprised if he's older than a lot of the actors on the show because like he he comes off so much more mature in Mm, this and like how he looks like no 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 but like he looks older he He just looks looks older and he looks yeah when i meant mature i meant his face looks mature not that he is mature um He just looks so much older and, like, he could mess up some of these kids because, like, these kids are so small and so little. And we talk about this a lot, how they look like kids.
2: he plays the big bad wolf role here.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. He was 18, 19 when this was filmed. So
0: he was older. He was older because a lot of these kids are... Yeah, no, but... 18,
1: 19, he could have...
0: Developmentally, he's older. Okay,
1: and I just, like, I want to say, like he's played by sean roberts and like i know i'm associating the actor with the character but like that picture
0: also makes him look kind of (laughs) douchey he's doing a super douchey like side smile yeah
2: it's just lecherous. Yeah. yeah sorry he he he's sorry guy you got that face he lo- just got that face. He
1: Maybe. looks like the manifestation of white male privilege.
2: Yeah. And I'm sure he was tapping into that on purpose for the episode because he did a very good job of it. Mm-hmm. And the actor was very committed to being as effective in the emotions that we're getting out of. Yeah. The episode. And- and which is, which is terror. Yeah. It's just what it boils down to. It is, it is terrifying. Yeah. I'd like to give him the
1: benefit of the doubt that like, as soon as they hit, hit cut, he's like
2: oh god can I stop being this now I hate this but. I know
0: I gotta <laughs> believe <so. laughs> I really hope so but, um,
2: yeah. so he's he's at the bus he's getting off the bus and as soon as he notices that Paige is there he immediately drops whatever conversation he was having and like jogs up to her nonchalantly saying hey spirit because if you remember that was his Nickname for her is a cheerleader spirit. He never calls her by her actual name. Yeah. because Probably doesn't remember it.
0: I don't even think he got it, though.
2: And, you know, Paige obviously does not want to talk to him. She, I think, flat up says, I don't want to talk to you. Or, or straight up says that. And Hazel tries to usher Paige inside and get away from this conversation, but he just keeps coming. He, pers- he literally physically pursues her into the building, not letting the conversation drop.
1: He makes fun of her for singing
2: the song, Poor Thing. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, he's like, oh, you can do, sing a song about it.
2: Sing a song about it and and leave. Like, you think you can get away with just that? And he's, again, just being very aggressive. And he knows that he is in a position of power over her.
1: At at this point, Paige loses her temper, um, asking, and she's just like, was it fun what you and like what you did to me and then she's reiterates i said no Yeah. and he's still not phased
3: yeah he
2: says well yeah we did have fun and everyone else saw a girl who wanted it Uh. yeah and he's this is a distinct power play here Mm -hmm. he knows that he can get away with with accosting her like this because he knows there's no evidence he knows everyone else saw them go up to the room everyone saw it was consensual nobody saw what actually happened and he knows this and he is abusing her because of it Mm
3: -hmm.
2: and it's you know it's it's very effective these are this is an episode that makes you want to reach into the tv grab him by the scruff and deck him multiple times and it pulls that emotion out of you effectively. So good job, I guess. I hate it, but good
0: job. Yeah.
1: That was that was just the like the best mental image, because um, folks at home, Gwen is wearing a very nice cardigan. And, like, just imagining, I know specifically. I'll point out the act, the scene. I imagine you punching him.
2: <laughs> <laughs> like. <laughs> in so. my, my nice comfy cardigan here, yeah. with my with my, as you can see in the recording, my fist is clenched yes. because I am that tense just talking about it. Yeah. you can yeah. see this fist raising raising itself in anger against this this it's... poor actor forced into this role.
1: You, uh, I did look up he, the only other role of note on his Degrassi Wikipedia page is he was the boyfriend of Rogue in the first X Men movie.
0: Huh.
2: <laughs> he played Cody.
0: Wow. All right.
2: You know, I remember this now. <laughs> yeah.
0: I never saw that movie, but I will take Gwen's word for it.
2: Yeah. Huh. Okay.
0: Okay. Um. So the next time we see everything, there's a kind of like this pan shot of everybody in the as they get ready for the basketball tournament. Jimmy's talking about how he's gonna win. You see a couple other characters, um, talking about like what they're doing or getting ready and things like that. Hazel and Paige are standing um, toward the end of this shot. They're talking about how they're going to, you know, how they want to see Degrassi win and all that type of stuff. And Dean, like, just appears behind Paige. Um, And when he does, um, Paige just kind of, you know, it's just like, I got to leave. Like, storms off, tries to get herself away from him. Um, It's just, like, how entitled he feels to her space is, like, what really...
2: Yeah, that's the best way to put it. Yeah. He feels he's entitled to her space. That's it. Yeah. It just is very, he feels very entitled and he feels like he can get away with doing and saying anything to her.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So she she storms off and Spinner is watching this happen. He talks to Hazel about it and he's just like, I don't understand why Paige is this upset over a breakup and hazel looks at him and goes like well what if like what if she said no like what if this was not you know uh like what you think is just like a breakup and he's just like well she said no to me
2: well okay he says it i I wrote this line down okay um this 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 is very clear okay i'll just say it. he says um (laughs) what if she said no he responds with good one hazel the only the only one she said no to was me, like in a very self-deprecating, l- laisse whatever. Like just, I don't care what you're saying. She rejected me. Mm-hmm. Why would she ever reject someone like him? Because clearly he's much more attractive, popular, um, good at better at sports, whatever than than he is. He it's just not computing. Yeah, he does not understand the gravity of what Hazel was saying, and he just responds negatively with this flippant statement exactly he's very self-centered in this that he doesn't recognize it but he he later recognizes what actually happened yeah we'll get to that
0: exactly um so next time Paige is in the scene she's mad at hazel because hazel came you know came clean admitted that she said something that was close to the truth to spinner like kind of set you know set this kind of narrative into place that it may not have been consensual um and Paige says like you know what i just gotta leave like i gotta go like this is it like this is a sign this was a mistake for me to be here i need to leave and as she gets up and she's going she sees dean and he is flirting with manny which is terrifying like i mean it's terrifying in general dean is a terrifying person but manny as we know is an eighth grader
2: and dean is definitely a senior if not super senior status
1: and we've also seen manny just very badly want somebody to fall in love with
0: exactly
2: we, we know how vulnerable that she can make herself and Paige immediately recognizes this predatory behavior that is now being enacted on someone else and she gets very protective she this is where she, she she later comes up to Manny and she tries to warn her.
1: Uh, just going to quick interjection. This is the point where I imagined you punching Dean. Just okay. in the back of the
2: head while you I saw him Manny. You're like, no, you won't, you motherfucker. And you punch him in the back of the head.
1: That and you know his,
2: head, his forehead clashes into the the mm-hmm. the metal bit that's j- getting out of the, the the school bus that he's next to. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, he, he that splits right. open his eyebrow. And he dies like that one guy from Battlestar Galactica. Oh, he just dies. <laughs> Shit. Okay. He doesn't deserve. I didn't ball. know that was that powerful. <laughs> Sorry, he doesn't deserve a lift. <laughs> <He doesn't laughs> okay. I fucker. mean, no, no, he does not. But but you're also making me into a killer here.
0: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> not to get super political on here. <laughs> anyway. I don't mind killing him, to
2: be clear. But I just need to be prepared for it.
0: Need <laughs> to be prepared to murder. I just, I just need rapist. to know
2: what I'm getting into.
0: Fair, honestly, that is very fair.
2: Um,
1: but anyway, uh, Paige goes, um, Paige goes up to Manny at her locker, and says, "Like, Dean is dangerous. Don't like." And Manny says, "Oh, you're just jealous that he didn't call you." And Paige, like, this is an absolutely terrifying line. Um,
2: Paige says, don't be alone with him.
0: Yeah. Well,
2: she's being as clear as she can be. Yeah. Yeah. Without outing herself entirely. Yeah. As as being.
0: It's very much like, it reminds me a lot of, like, how in the kind of, this big discussion that happened because of, like, Me Too gaining so much traction in the past, like, year and a half or so. Like the more open discussions of whisper networks. It reminds me a lot of like that type of stuff where it's like people in positions that they don't want to disclose that they are survivors of assault and they don't want to reveal like what has happened to them, but still want to make sure that people are safe. Mm -hmm. So kind of saying, so saying it like that, saying like, don't be alone with him. Like, don't, don't make yourself vulnerable to him. I'm not going to tell you what has happened to me. I'm not going to tell you explicitly what, what he does, but stay safe. It reminds me a lot of that type of stuff. And it's definitely what happens in many situations, high schools, industries, things like that. It's a very, like, real moment that you can see how those types of networks operate. Um, Because she's like, you know, don't be alone with him. Don't, you know, don't open yourself up for him to do something to you. Um, And Manny has heard the narrative before, that it was at a party and that he stood her up like they hooked up he didn't get back to her so direct words from manny like get over it um and of course like it's also extra terrifying when an eighth grader says this right because like he is he is old he is preying on a young girl he's anybody he preys on it's bad but like when it's when you see that he like when you see him with like a middle schooler it makes you realize like oh he's a real oh the monstrousness is like manifesting in so many different ways now um and it's just very scary um yeah um it's just a terrifying scene and manny does not take Paige's warning seriously
2: and you know this this highlights an experience that a lot of survivors go through which is not being believed yeah which is seen as if they wanted it and and why wouldn't they because this person is attractive popular charismatic Mm -hmm. why wouldn't they want that and it's it's really hard to get to be believed and it's really hard to it's really hard to handle a situation where you're just trying to help somebody, and they're saying, "I don't believe you."
0: Yeah.
2: And I I know the climate is changing with this now, and I'm very happy about that. Um, it's still not it's still not there yet. It, no. You know. It's it's, the way our culture works right now. To accept that somebody, did did something like this to somebody else, means you have to reorient how you think about the 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 assailant and a lot of people still will refuse to do that yeah unless they've been shown without any deniable any deniability that that was the case or that
0: they can't benefit from that person anymore
2: that is true too yeah a lot it's just there's a a lot of selfish behavior that goes into believing survivors or not and it's you know, at the very least, I'm, I'm happy this episode, um, highlights how this, how this actions, how these actions come about. So hopefully, hopefully people see it, you know, kids, etc. that watch, watch the show and they don't repeat it.
0: Yeah. Um, we go to the game, JT is looking for Paige, he's in like the full mascot outfit. Um, and said, so, and you know, finds out that she had left she had stormed out and he says that you know the squad needs her and that dean is just some stupid guy oh he tells her that sorry i forgot there's a transition there
2: yeah he he actually says this like really cute line and the writing of this is actually it's so good this conversation is has some just really genuine and good interactions between jt and Paige, and Mm -hmm. he calls her oh fearless leader yeah which I thought was the most endearing thing he's done in a long time. <laughs> yeah, to call his crush a fearless leader, and you know he's making it not about him. It's making it about. It's not that he needs her there. It's that, that the team, that the cheerleading squad, everybody needs you there.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: he's coming to support her and getting going through. You know, going getting through whatever she's going through, to be there for the team.
0: Yeah, and and you know she she originally is sitting like right outside the steps. They carry on the conversation. She walks away from the steps. She walks to the bench with him, like, one of the, ta- like, lunch table benches, and they sit together, mm-hmm. and she reveals that, you know, after talking, like, you know, he's like, oh, like, she's just some stupid guy, like, you know, you got to power through, you're a leader, blah, 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 and then she goes, well, you know, like, it's not just, like, he's just Not just guy. some stupid
2: guy. Yeah, like... And she, she tells him the entire story.
0: Yeah, yeah. So... She goes, "You know, he did rape me and everything." And JT's response to it. Uh
2: I love I love this. This is so good. Yeah, well, go ahead, Frank.
1: I just want to say before you say what you're saying. Yeah. Like, the kid playing JT, I like just got to get some props for cuz the it look so good. of like sorrow on his face as Paige says this to him. Once again, it's just
2: heartbreaking. Yeah. He he does some really good body language in this. He does. Where he some doesn't of his actually best. I don't think he really actually says much in response to which you know her her story of how what happened to her. He doesn't mm. say anything. I don't no. think he says anything Yeah, no. yeah. He he just you see his face, um, transition out of that like shitting green that he always wears, slowly transitions out of that and becomes super serious, very very sad, and then very determined. Yes. At which he stands up. He doesn't say anything. He just stands up. He
0: doesn't even take the. He's head. still
2: he's still wearing his mascot suit. But by not the, way, the head. Which is, for for the picture, it's a le- leopard. It's panther. a panther. panther. But it has spots. It doesn't have spots.
0: Are you sure? It's no, it yellow. does have like little like spots on on like the cheeks and stuff. But also, don't panthers actually have spots? Oh, I don't okay. know.
2: I'm not a. But I'm like they're really hard to here. see.
0: Anyway, go on.
2: He leaves the head and just storms in Panther bodysuit to the middle of the... He just storms off. Um,
0: Paige follows him with Paige the head. follows
2: him with, with the head. Okay, good detail. Yeah. And he just storms onto the court in the middle of a basketball game that Dean is playing in. And he immediately starts trying... doing his best, his, his small frame does his best in this panther outfit to punch Dean yeah. like multiple times. He like
0: shoves him. He kind of, he basically is just slapping him. Slapping
2: what... him, shoving him.
0: He he just snaps too much for you Mr. Rapist, which like I <laughs> felt that.
2: And this is also a really great job of acting here cuz like JT has this this face on him that is half fury and half scared shitless. Yeah. Where he knows he's put himself into a situation where he is over his head, but he is too angry to to not do it. Yeah. But there's, like, he's still, like, pulling back because he doesn't want to get hurt by this very large man yeah. at the same time. Yeah. But he is still committed to this. It's really good.
1: But Dean is much stronger than him and just grabs him by the by the waist and throws him to the ground. Yeah. And is about to, like, just... Just wail him in the face when uh, Dean is grabbed, I think, by Armstrong. Yeah.
2: Yeah. The,
1: yeah. And they're like, he's suspended from the game. The Panther, the mascot,
2: is going to the principal's office.
0: Yeah. So.
2: And we... we so Spinner is right on the court, too. And mm-hmm. I thought at first he overheard JT say, too much for you, Mr. Rapist, but he didn't. Either way, Paige no- Or, sorry, J- Spinner knows i just going through the names here. Spinner knows something is really up and he he follows Paige out.
0: Uh, Paige rejects his touch um, and Spinner just asks, like, you know, did Dean take it too far? Um, and things begin to get on the verge of being chaotic because Spinner then
2: you know, he 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 actually i i I just want to highlight how he realizes this he page doesn't say anything Mm
3: -hmm.
2: he just sees it on her face the distraught that she's in how distraught she is rather Mm
3: -hmm.
2: and he you know he he had heard what hazel had said about her saying no Mm -hmm. he just at the time didn't didn't it didn't compute it didn't register it. he didn't take it as seriously as he should have at the time Mm -hmm. and he sees her like this and he puts two and two together and figures it out and he says and just like a really like letting out a very sad sigh he took it too far like hazel said and i I like this moment because it shows that he you know he's still still a meathead (laughs) <laughs> yeah. He's not—he's not a very intelligent boy most of the time in terms of interpersonal relations, but he cares about Paige a lot, and he figures this out, and he takes it really seriously. And he too, after getting the confirmation from Paige, I think it's a nonverbal confirmation, he gets real angry and confronts Dean as well, shoving him up against a bus outside. Yep. <laughs> A much more fair fight if it would have happened. (laughs) Yeah, but it doesn't happen because Paige gets between them, Um, and this is a very empowering moment for her. Um, She she says, she essentially tells tells Spinner, "This is not your fight," Um, and she confronts Dean directly, saying, "I'm coming after you with everything I've got."
0: Yeah, she's gonna get him for real.
2: She's gonna get him for real. This is between me and you now. I'm coming after you.
0: Yeah. Um. so the last scene that we see with this because there is one last scene because we were watching and we're like oh why didn't the episode end there Like,
2: well because Marco still has to say he's gay
0: I know I know <laughs> that's the answer Marco still had to say he was gay and then they were like oh we need another scene for this plot Um. so the next time we see her she's in Sovey's office Sovey is confirming legal stuff um, and says like you know now that if you proceed with this like you can't talk to Dean uh, and Paige is like fine perfect don't want to speak to him
2: but she says this great line. Do you remember the line?
0: No, I don't. Did you she write She says,
2: down? I want to scare him. Yes. Mrs. Sylvea? Sil- Silve. Sylve. I want to scare him, Miss Sylve. So bad he can't, won't ever think of doing something like this to anyone else.
0: Yeah. There's this great moment with her. And I feel like this compliments page in a way that we've kind yeah. of been been hitting on where... Paige, a lot of the time, is looking out for herself, but there is this aspect of her that is interested in, and maybe not always able to, but interested in empowering women. And we see this happen to her with Terry, and we see this happen to her with some other... uh, We see this happen to her with Emma. Um, We've seen this happen to her a couple times.
1: Manny this very episode. Manny
0: this very episode. Like, she wants to have... Maybe not have women be as confident as her, but... (laughs) She still wants women to be in her circles to feel some form of empowerment. And the fact that she is seeing this not just as herself getting her personalized justice, which is a totally valid reason to go for legal matters. Yep. Totally valid if that's what you want. She sees it more as a crusade to make sure that he doesn't hurt anyone else. And there's something about it that speaks to her, this quality that I think we see in a couple plots that she has gone through this that sucks she acknowledges that that sucks and she hates that how it's you know impacted her life but at the end of this all she wants to risk going through the whole entire process so that he won't hurt other people
2: yeah i mean i this episode if nothing confirmed to her that he will do this again yes so she takes it she takes it onto herself to stop him yeah and I think this line also is is telling that she understands that without the evidence backing this up, it's very likely this won't go anywhere legally. Mm-hmm. But at the very least, she wants to scare him. Yes. She wants to ruin his reputation. Yes. She wants to hurt him in as much ways that she can.
0: As she makes the way out of the guidance, so she she they end this. Um, also, Sove is like, oh, like, are we gonna do the same time next week? And she goes, yes. So we see that she understands that she still needs to be pursuing, uh, therapy, for her for herself. So she you know plans on seeing Sove again. And as Paige leaves, she meets up with Spinner. She's surprised that Spinner's here because usually he's you know working in the cafeteria for eternity. <laughs> and he says like, you know, oh, I got somebody else to cover my shift. Don't really know how that works, but okay. Um, and reveals that he has, like, some sandwiches and some drinks that they can share together and have lunch together.
2: And then, like, we get, I mean, it's not the last line, but God, if it was the last line, it would have punched the television. Yeah. We, we get a tra- translation of the last, of the second to last line, which is Spinner saying, not all men. Yeah, uh.
0: he's like, you know, there are some good guys.
2: We're not all like Dean. Yeah. And like Spinner, you're you're kind, and I know you want to make sure you're not <laughs> pushed away in this moment because of being a man. But Jesus. Lord, please. <sighs> Thankfully, Paige <sighs> is is receptive to this somehow, and yeah, I mean she she recognizes that Spinner does care, and mm-hmm. he's at the very least not probably not going to rape her. <laughs> So, she—I don't know. She appreciates the the concern, the the support that he gives her, mm-hmm. and she invites him out on a date. Um, she, uh, she invites him to the year-end dance. The year-end dance. Yeah. The
0: um, yeah.
2: Which I think comes up in the next episode. It yeah. does. Right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um. She also says, like, you know, I owed you a date anyway. Like, you know, I did stand you up, so let me ask you yeah. out to this so I can pay back for that. Um. And that's it. Yeah. And that's how it ends
2: the only
1: thing that would have i'm giving just gonna go into my ranking for this episode i'm giving it a solid a plus besides the wonkiness of the direction and whatnot it was such a solid episode It's so well written it's Mm -hmm. a very
0: dense 22 minutes too it's another episode that feels like while you know you could get caught up in some of the technologies of it it's a very solid like every scene felt like it had a purpose in it yep
2: that's exactly what i was gonna say
1: um, the only thing that would have made this episode a bit better is if, as Spinner and Paige are talking, like Radish was like directing JT to like clean up the hallway, and he's just like, "Whatever,
2: easiest time I ever did."
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. JT is so endearing in this episode; it's wild. I,
2: I mean, maybe this is why people care about him because I just remember you going into this into this whole podcast being like. I really liked JT. I remember liking him. I don't know why. He's being such a
0: shithead every
2: single episode. Maybe maybe this is maybe this is him turning a new leaf.
0: Yeah, maybe it is.
1: It's it's time for it's time for his wrestling heel turn.
0: Right? There like we go. like maybe this is just maybe if I just look at JT like a wrestler <laughs> as a wrestling character, maybe my feelings toward him will not be yeah, as weird. I
2: mean I feel like this is what his character could be he has all of these qualities in him he takes things seriously when it when he when he when it matters to him he is a goofball he is endearing but he's done all of these things for the wrong reasons before Mm -hmm. he's been a goofball in awkward and kind of insulting ways he's he's been trying to endearing himself but all with like targets before like like sexual targets before well i mean as sexual as you can be as a 12-year-old or however old he is, Mm -hmm. but this is him genuinely supporting Paige and enjoying her presence and caring about her as a person and being very, very angry for her. Yeah. And it was really good. It was. I really, really liked him. He was my favorite in this episode.
0: Shall we get on to character rankings on that note?
2: Sure. All right. All right. A lot of people...
1: Okay. Like, uh, Hazel... For, once again, trying to be, like, a good friend. You're staying, you're going up a bit more. Paige, uh, you... You've, Paige has reached the edge of the universe at this point. I can't <laughs> find anywhere else to put her. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, Ashley, um, you're... Uh, remaining rough where you're You didn't do much. Ellie... Ellie's going up a bit more for expressing her frustration which is not hard. It's not easy to do with a friend. Yeah. Uh, Marco, for realizing who you are, you're jumping a bunch of spots. Spinner, for finally coming around and becoming the tender chunkhead. You are, you're going up a few spots, but you're losing two for
2: um, the hashtag not all men. Um... <laughs> I can't believe that was like so verbatim. Yeah. Of not all men. Um... I know this is well earlier before you're, you know, modern hashtags here, but, God, that, that, that... It's done Oof. Oof. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, JT, you always hung north, near the bottom, now you're heading towards the middle, like, for calling Paige your furious leader, and then being, like, it's time to, like, punch. Yeah. Like, when you find out the truth of what's going on, just taking things seriously. Like, I want more of this JT.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um... Heather Sinclair, you get negative five points. Or no, you get I points. That's an imaginary number, right? Imaginary number for an imaginary character. Um, uh, Manny, you're losing points for not believing Paige. Because um, when has Paige ever steered you wrong? Okay, wait, the cheerleading episode, but whatever. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Is that it? a lot of people in this episode.
0: No, there really isn't.
1: Oh, Dean. well,
0: because the no, Dean doesn't.
1: Was... Dean doesn't. Dean is hanging out in the. Well,
0: I think he he
2: dug, like he was like buried below the ground, and now he just dug to the center of the earth and incinerated himself. Well, I was gonna
0: say he incinerates, so it's fine. No,
2: he's in this. Like I have a stable for all the
1: just shitty men in Degrassi, and he gets to live in there with the rest of the shit, like the pedophile from the first episode, that I... that guy who said, "Oh look, look at that," to Emma.
0: Yeah.
2: Like. I, I just, like, you know, in Shout, we see him be bad, certainly, and he clearly assaulted Paige, and... Yeah. I feel there, like... There are differences between people that will do that and people that will take it and take it and take it and never stop pursuing someone in that way and holding it over their head and be as malicious as he was about it. Yeah,
0: like I feel like I I said things about Dean and insinuated things about Dean that you, I think you were like, well, we don't quite have, like, you know, the evidence of, and I think it was because I remembered this episode, and I think i like, some of my analysis of him was based on, like, this episode and how he was so...
2: Yeah, I mean, I will never defend no, no, uh, no, no, a rapist. No, it's no, no, no. It's just, this puts him on a level of rapist that it, there, there's just, there, it's, it's, I can't, I have no words. It's just, it's It's, it's bad. Yeah. He's just a monster. He, like... is, yeah. he, is a, he is a monster. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, if...
1: Uh, I agree with Gwyn's ranking, like, he's just at the center of the earth being incinerated.
0: Thank God.
2: Um. um n- not dead, he's just continually... That's, yeah. It's just his state of being, his incineration.
1: Did you ever read Dante's Inferno?
0: No, I didn't, actually.
2: Um,
1: like, the three, uh, greatest traitors are in Satan's three mouths. That's where Dean exists. Ooh. Like, <laughs> mm. just continually being chewed for all eternity. Yeah. So garbage yeah
0: um gwyn do you have any character rankings
2: uh no you, you i guess that jt all, is
0: a uh, big ups for jt big ups <laughs> for
2: jt yeah surprise of the, the 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 season in my opinion
0: i agree what a turnaround good for you kid
2: i just hope he continues yeah i if he continues i i am on board with his turnaround he has not done something so bad that i am upset with him turning it around yeah. That's mm-hmm. my opinion.
0: Shall we go to recommendations? Yep. All right. So this is where we recommend things that we're enjoying or things that we feel are good compliments or do some of these things in Degrassi a little better. Honestly, I feel like once again, this is another example of Degrassi <laughs> handling sexual assault in a way that is very real um, and done very well. And I feel that you know, while we have recommended things in the past that may be as good or complimentary or, like, you know, around the same level of it, I think that this episode still holds up. Um, so, once again, if you really want to find, like, real, um, accurate portrayal of sexual assault, shout, as well as this episode, exemplify it in many ways for me. Um, so, I... I'm pleasantly surprised that this still has aged very well, even if, unfortunately, you know, the content is still heavy, it's still upsetting, it's still distressing. But if you're somebody who is trying to find a way to have, like, a fictionalized example of it that you can, you know, show in a class, or just if you're, you know, just need it as, like, a reference point about media portrayal and things like that, this is a really good set of episodes to take a look at. Um... That said, my recommendation is not going to be related this. Also, I give so many LGBTQ recommendations at this point on this podcast. I feel like if you want to see anything else about, like, LGBTQ-related stuff and coming out narratives and things like that, just look through some of the things that I recommended. Um, so, I'm going to recommend something that I'm just enjoying. So, last week I got to see Into the Spider-Verse it was so good visually stunning really good example of teenagers uh occupying new york city which is delightful for me because i work with middle schoolers and i felt like miles made me think of some of my kids though a little older um i really enjoyed the movie i'm uncomfortably able to relate to peter B. parker which is something i must unpack on a different (laughs) podcast um Visually stunning, do be aware if you're somebody who has issues with flashing lights and things like that, it might not be the best fit for you. Um, However, if you're somebody who can handle some of those visuals, it is stunning to look at, it is a great movie, and I legitimately have not been able to stop thinking about it. And it made me care about like Marvel movies, it made me care about Spider-Man in general, again, for the first time in like a very long time so i absolutely loved it definitely go out to see it if you can um and i know for some of you in some of the other countries they're not getting released just yet stay patient and try and find a way to get to the theater because it's worth seeing in the theater once it comes out
2: yeah i i I second that i mean obviously we saw saw it together but we've shared a lot of the same
0: other guest kirsten
2: yes we we share we, we share the same the same the same glowing praise for the movie. It's phenomenal. Is that what you did for Kirsten's birthday? Uh, kinda. Okay.
1: <laughs> I got a text one day. It's like I can't record. It's Kirsten's birthday. Uh, now I know. Now I know what's happening. <laughs> Sorry,
0: Frank. Um.
2: Yeah. So I'm gonna recommend something different. It's a it's a book came out last year it is called her body and other parties. Um, it's a debut novel actually by a up and coming, um, lesbian writer, Carmen Marcia Machado. Um, and I'm, I'm just gonna, so I, I pulled up the, like the book synopsis or whatever, the description cause I think it is more con- concise than it will be. It's a collection of about five, six stories. Um, uh, here it, it described on the book cover as in this electric and provocative debut Machado bends genre to shape startling narratives that map the realities of women's lives and the violence visited upon their bodies. Um, so it's a kind of a collection of story that uh, focus. It's like magical realism, sci-fi, all kinds of like different genres to, to give narratives about sexual violence on women's bodies. Um, it's been, the writing is extraordinarily good. It's, it's really hit me hard in a lot of, a lot of the stories and it's been very impressive. Um, a few stories, uh, the first one is about, it's, it's kind of like a retelling of a like campfire horror story, um, about a wife who refuses her husband's, uh, entreaties to remove the green ribbon from around her neck. Um, one of the other stories, my favorite one here, is is a woman recounts her sexual encounters as a plague slowly consumes humanity. So it's you you see, without spoiling too much, you see just it, snippets of this woman's sexual encounters to the backdrop of throughout her life with humanity falling apart, <laughs> kind of a zombie zombie apocalypse narrative. It's one of the best zombie apocalypse narratives that I've read and and the uh, the biggest story out of the bunch is a reimagining of i think the first nine seasons of one episode descriptions of every episode of law and order uh special victims unit which is usually like the sexual assault um crimes that that i mean special victims
0: it's survivors sexual assault and children it's yeah so there
2: you go um so this is a reimagining giving one like usually a couple of paragraph descriptions anything from one sentence to a couple of paragraphs of every episode in the first nine seasons of Law and Order SVU and it is, it's gripping it, it sounds kind of boring to be honest but it's a reimagining, it takes things to a whole nother level doppelgangers, ghosts, etc it's cetera. literary fanfiction in
0: the best way
2: yes, and it's great I, I really recommend it to li- literally anybody that can stomach this kind of content and it fits well with this 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 episode
1: I really want to check that out yeah
2: it's up your alley actually I I gifted this to um my sibling um it's great
1: I'm gonna third that recommendation uh for Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse um I saw an interesting fan theory online that makes that movie like a little bit more gay which I am into (laughs) um I'll tell you all fair, because I know it's still coming out. Hmm. But, um... I'm going to... Besides that, I'm going to recommend the Brooklyn Nine-Nine episode, uh, Game Night. It's where a character... that has been out for a year. uh, Rosa Diaz comes out as bisexual to both the precinct she works for and her family. And it tells very two different coming-out narratives. Mm. Um... And, like, one of my favorite things is, like, the actress who plays Rosa Diaz, Stephanie Beatrice, is bisexual. And she, like, she wanted this to be part of her character. And the writers like, yeah, sure, let's do it. Um, and I also just want to uh, actually recite some of the lines at the end of her, Captain, who, if you've seen the show, is a very stern, well, not stern, like, taciturn, like somewhat emotionalist and like man he's referred to as a robot often um yeah, but he but he has like and like his husband is equally as like emotionalist it is amazing <laughs> his name's captain ray Holt, and he's the every line he says is better than anything big bang theory ever did but at the end of the episode finally he speaks to rosa and he says uh you should be very proud of yourself i know things aren't exactly where you want to be right now but I promise you they will improve. Every time someone steps up and says who they are, the world becomes a better, more interesting place. So thank you. Oh. And, like, you know, it's a great episode. Mm-hmm. Um, Danny Trejo plays her father. Oh, good. <laughs> so...
0: I did not know that. I'm very happy that I found that out. That's I, what I like to hear.
1: I recommend Brooklyn Nine-Nine on all levels. Um, but, yeah. That episode particularly...
0: With that said, Gwyn, you've made it through another episode.
2: Yet again.
0: Congratulations. (laughs) I know this wasn't the easiest one. We appreciate you. It's important to me. Um, Are there any ways that people can get in touch with you and talk to Grossi or other things?
2: Um, Yeah, sure. I mean, if you've listened to other episodes, it's on there as well, but I'm really only on Twitter as the social media. um, As uh twitter user underscore froppy f-r-o-p-p-y as in the, the my hero academia character love that frog um yeah it's not locked don't make me regret it but yeah i i complain about being trans and 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 talk about the media that i like <laughs> i don't know i've got nothing
0: yes, that's hit right. me up if
2: you want to talk about the podcast i i, I quite like being on it
0: yay um if you want to continue the conversation with us um in terms of the podcast so if you want to email us some more questions comments concerns things like that uh feel free to email us at ihopod at gmail.com also do not hesitate to reach out to us to give us your personal relationships with Degrassi whether it's the series itself the characters or specific episodes we would love to either play audio files or read some of the things that you have said about these episodes. I know a lot of people have thought about it and have told me they were thinking about it. So please have this be your sign to actually send that in. Even if it's older episodes, we would love to be able to read them um, because we do understand that this is such a cultural landmark for a lot of people. Also, if you're interested in appearing on an episode, we are lining up our guests for season three. We're super excited. I'm going to be putting up a list of episodes that we don't currently have guests for on social media. So please check that out and let us know if you're interested in anything. Um, That being said, if you want to see us on social media, there's a couple places you can follow us. Uh, You can join our Facebook group at I Hope I Can Make It Through uh, Podcast. Um, You can also follow us on Twitter at I Hope Pod. Um, and I'm still trying to figure out if it's even worth keeping the Tumblr or not. But I guess I have no read on what's going on with Tumblr right now. There's still people on it. I don't know. It's confusing. Um, yeah also please leave ratings or reviews for our episodes we really want to treat you guys for taking the time to leave those types of things once we hit 20 we're going to take a chunk of some of the original degrassi junior high degrassi high episodes and give you some of our commentary and thoughts about them so you would be getting more content from us so please do not hesitate to give us a rating give us a review tell people about us Um, because we do want to give back to all of you for taking that effort to look at to like you know spread the word about our podcast and finally we have a coffee account which if you are interested you can send some money our way it would be going toward equipment it would be going toward compensating our guests because we do want to make sure that our guests get something out of this if they so choose um and if you want to keep talking to me all right frank do you have something you would like to add
1: no, I just want to say I have another podcast called Teen Girl Talk with my sister. Um, it's just more talking about teen media, but not Degrassi.
0: Yeah. And if you want to talk to me individually, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, DM is Unbreakable, where you can talk to me about Degrassi and all the other things that I am talking about, a lot of which I post are my writing stuff. So if you are interested in reading some of my stuff outside of the podcast, do not hesitate to take a look.
1: You know what, I actually do have one more thing that I want to add. If you have some terrible, just terrible, Degrassi fanfiction, hit us up.
0: Oh, even not, I would even argue not terrible. Just send us some of your best stuff, too. I have not revealed my Degrassi ship yet.
1: I will do Degrassi, like, dramatic readings.
0: Please send us anything, (laughs) but if you have good stuff, like, hit me up. I'll read your good stuff. I, I, I do not discriminate. I will read good fanfic. I'll read bad fanfic. I read any fanfic because I am a fanfic writer. Yeah. And That's how it goes.
2: You gotta know. You gotta know.
0: You do gotta know. Um. So
2: I was gonna say know your enemy, but it's not. I don't. It's not. It's not an enemy.
0: No. It's no. Just Ru- it's just a grassy fanfic. Turn on that old desktop in the in your parents'
2: <laughs> den.
0: <laughs> like your parents' den, and see if it still has it on.
1: What is a den? <laughs>
2: I don't know anybody who has a den anymore.
0: Not anymore. Because laptops exist. Okay. Yeah, they don't that's exist true. It anymore. My
2: parents' house still has it, but that's my parents' house. It's, anyone's parents' house has a den. And a cordless Millennials and don't a...
0: have homes, so, like, they're going to
2: first. And a corded <laughs> phone.
1: <laughs> Bring the corded phone into the den and don't put the video games on the good TV.
0: Yeah, right? Anyway, everybody. <laughs> that We're being all said, aging ourselves here. I know. Anyway, on landing on, on a high note. Uh, we hope you can keep making it through and that you're going to be there with us. Until next week, everyone. See ya.
1: Later. i the sun and the
3: of the shadows that is I'm the sun and the, of, a that is I'm the, sun the of nothing in particular. Your mouth. How can you see? I go by the things i wrong way? I am human and I need to be left Just like everybody else does